Welcome to the Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is a place where successful thought leaders in the SAP space come to share their leadership styles, their tips, and their unique stories on how to run successful large-scale SAP programs. Listen to the podcast to learn from their successes, their failures, their career stories, and their inspirations. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. So, welcome to season three. This is episode six. We've got a fantastic guest on today who I've just learned has got your own. You've got your own podcast, haven't you, Amanda? Yeah, I I, I drag uh, a crew of friends with us who got together and we do a podcast for program management, actually, purist. Um, and have a lot of fun doing it and always have a wine in hand. Unfortunately, today, however, my wine glass is empty. But it's way too early, really. It is way too early. It, yeah. it, it is on it is on quick receive and, and I can go and pick it up if it's right there. I'll Ooh, pop it when, back there longingly. When, when is it an acceptable time to, to drink? I always say like midday. Like it's always a bit weird in the morning, but sun's over the yard arm. <laughs> the sun's over the yard arm, we're there. Just depends which way your boat's gonna face. <laughs> All right. So I've also got my colleague Richard um, on with me today. Um, Richard, you came on uh, episode one of season three with uh, Cameron Berkman, which was um, a brilliant podcast. So thank you for coming on. And it's good to have you on again. So let's um, get into it. And Rich, I'm going to hand you over to yourself. We're going to do a quick fire question round. Uh, Amanda said this was like dating, like yes. before. But um, yeah, yeah Richard, you dive into it and let's learn a little bit about uh, Amanda. Perfect. Thanks, Amanda. So we'll start with this quick fire round. Um, keep it sort of two minutes. We'll go through a little, little bit about yourself. So I need a red button, you know, like those. Bing. Like, quick tap. <laughs> I should have, uh, if I'd known, I would have bought one. Go. We'll start with a simple one. What's your, your full name? Oh, Amanda Michelle Oakenfall. Boring. And there's actually a story behind that. So my <laughs> first question, you got a story. So Amo, um, is I think to love in Latin and Amanda is the love so I can never change my surname so I'm married but I can't yeah. change my surname because otherwise I screw up the entire family's effort to get my name and my initials to mean something they stuffed it like oh well I'm stuck with it can't say it's the best it's had some concerning you know, you always sit there and say, you say your surname and everyone's like you what so once you see it written down it's all good I get it I say Richard and people but done John or James, yeah. whatever it is. Hey, have so. you ever gone to the coffee shop and yeah. actually just changed your name randomly? Shits and giggles. I should try it because every time I say Richard, no one understands me. So I'll, uh, yeah. I'll try it next time. I'll change my name. Just you got to remember it. Otherwise, they're busy calling for Bob yeah. and you're like, oh, shit, that's me. Perfect. <laughs> and any nicknames? Yeah, heaps. Um, <laughs> I always got called, I, when I was younger, I got Okanui. Obviously, because someone had, I was in our training call um, and they wrote my name like bef, bef, back in the day of the typewriter. Um, they hand wrote my name down and, and someone misread it because it was in cursive. So Okanui kind of stuck. So anyone who knows me from way back in the day that, but then in um, <laughs> in the Navy, I got called um, Peaches. But that's not as much of a <laughs> – I'll leave it at that. You can use your imagination. Uh, <laughs> I'll move 
we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Been, when you had all of that, you know, when you used to be able to do bastardization and shit like that and call people crappy names, um, yeah, I cop some I cop some perlers. I've had plenty in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long have you been in Australia? Oh gosh, came out in '83. Uh, how long's that? Oh, we're coming up to 40 years. Yeah. Wow, I've been here longer than I thought. I hadn't sat back in at a think of it. Yeah, no, high school here, junior school in New Zealand. Yep. So I got all. Not only did I get picked on for bad names and and odd looking figures, I'm also a Kiwi. So you know. Uh, yeah, high school wasn't great. Um, <laughs> what about um, building? Let's start with if we go into a work sense. What's the best job that you've ever had? Oh, this is really easy. The job I have at, at any point in time in my career. I'd have you, you're not. You can't have one, right? And I started yeah. out in in the military. It was awesome. It was brilliant. I've got stories. We 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 were stuck on a. On a beach, I was doing survey, uh, stuck on a beach and literally watching the tide come in because we're measuring the tide. And watching the tide go out, you're there for a while. Um, and as it went out, it just opened up this oyster bed. And so we've always got knives on our on our legs. So you're sitting there shucking oysters. <laughs> and we, we radioed Sheffo on the ship and he came in through uh, lemons at us. So, yeah, shucking oysters, I mean, best ever. But I wouldn't do it now because the place stinks. What they don't tell you is it looks really pretty. <laughs> An old pack of dead turtles not far behind us. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a really awesome job then. And then, you know, that's your 20s and 30s. You know, by that time, I'd, I'd um, Navy was good enough to teach me project management from the ground up. And, and I go into consulting world and I wouldn't change my life for then either. So the and then that's how you sort of plough through your middle management and, and you land out the other side working out that it's all a bit odd um, and go into executive roles, wondering how you survived the, the you know, permafrost of middle management. And I wouldn't change my job now. It's like, so whichever job you're in at the time, I think it's the best one you've got for the experience you've got in the space you are in. Do you it's still use many of your project management skills then you learnt from the Navy? Now at, yeah, uh, they So we, when I was in the navy, we like I'll be written up as our, you know, hydrography and and doing all the charts. But what happened was we, it was the Lewin class ship build, and I was asked to join. So, oh, do you want some shore time? Which is everyone says yes. Um, and I went into a program office, and so they literally taught me how to schedule, master schedule, baby projects. Um, you know, your prints to your pin, but I got yeah. everything. Um, very structured defence, right? Very structured learning. Very and the experience. I hated it then, but when I look back now, I rely on it every day. So, yeah, yeah it, it really helped set me up for what became my the thread through my career. So I've done lots of different things, but the continual yeah. thread through it is always that I've done program delivery, large programs, which is why I'm now the recovery recovery specialist. Yeah. Of, which is, hence hence I'm a big loud mouth on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had to adapt much from your from what you were taught since you come into your new style now? Still the same? Um what I've found is as so in I think it would have been about 2010s, maybe early 200s, 20s, that matter, 2000s. Um, the universities found project management as a really good 
opportunity to make some money. And now everyone goes off and gets a degree and they get qualified and you've got a whole heap of um, businesses out there that want to make money off you, you being part or a membership group or something like that. But along the way, along this journey, what they've forgotten to do is teach people the tools of the trade. So they don't teach people. It's, it's like I can liken it to would you would you get a builder in who couldn't swing a hammer? You know, you've yeah. got basically now they've, they've they're using frameworks and methods, which is just no more than the architectural design drawing. And then they go out and get people who have studied those methods and frameworks and have thought great big thunks, but they don't know the tooling. I mean, yeah. and that's vital. I mean, could you imagine running SAP project and not being able to configure it, just reading <laughs> the instruction booklet? Um, yeah. The application of both has to be there, and that's that's lacking in a delivery industry broad. So you get old farts like me charging, you know, master schedulers. Oh my God, you know, you you can break a bank on trying to get a solid master scheduler. It's a skill set that is not yeah. in the market, um, and they're all in their forties. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I can uh, I can hear your passion for project yeah. management. It's, uh, it's good to hear. How would you how would you describe your project management style in one word? One word. Collaborative. Yeah. It's the same as it's just a leadership style. It's just collaborative. Yeah. Um, you, know, you It's it's more a lot more of a, a yeah. You're bringing in the team together. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's we'll a it boring answer, but that's kind of. Yeah. I wanted to okay. say collaborative and fun, but I'm only allowed one <laughs> word, and I don't think I can have collabra fun. Yeah. We can make a new word. We can, can try. Um. And we'll we'll wrap it up with uh, what's a fun fact about yourself? Uh, we got circled by pirates and survived. There you go. Only time I haven't heard. I haven't heard before. <laughs> I've absolutely, that's the one time I'm absolutely legitimately shit scared. Yeah. So that's probably, yeah. that's probably why it sticks in my mind. And, yeah, there's not very many people wondering about who uh, – They did, I mean, we were a Navy vessel. They, they, they didn't board us. So I'm very proud to have had a CEO who did the right thing uh, and uh, they just – was circled the ship wandered off that man that was terrifying it was terrifying just having them circle just more about that though. I mean I feel there's a whole story in, in that itself I think we were we were out in there I think it was the RFURC from memory god you're going back so many years I mean I didn't consultant but this was well over 20 so um yeah we we're out there from memory and don't quote me on this and I'll probably have ASIO run down my neck but I thought it was the RFURC out that way um and there was a ship coming alongside, and and I Nev at the time had identified it, and they th this cold chill went through um, the ship, and they, and all the funnily enough, all the females were the seamanship um, side, so we were the ones you know painting the ship and doing, and all the males were all, all the techies, so they were down in the bowels of the ship running. It just happened to be that way. We had an all female seaman crew, just treat. Um, so you would normally see a ship, if you from external, you would see our ship with all female uppers, meaning you know they just they would have thought it was this boat full of women. So the boss got on the radio. He's just told us, all right, all girls downstairs. Um, 
we locked ourselves in the medical room and all the boys straight back up, put all the the Navy flags up, really uh, hid any. We had no arms on us anyway at that time. The the survey vessels didn't have any guns or so there was nothing that they would have seen that they wanted. Um, and it's not worth upsetting the Australian government <laughs> for nothing. So they would have just circled us having a look, having a bit of a check out. But we were, I can remember just sitting there and all the girls were just sitting down in, in below decks and just quiet, just quiet as a mouse until it was clear. But, yeah, fun little thing. And, and you know, it puts a lot of context about how we deliver projects. You know, when you're in the middle, like the last, oh, the last SAP implementation, everyone's pulling their hair out. It's like, oh, my God, there's a driving date. You've got to get there. I'm like, you're not going to die. If we are 24 hours late on a delivery, you know, there, you, when you, you're in transition into hypercare, no one's going to die if it's Monday or Tuesday. Like, it's not. <laughs> let's have some context around. So yeah. I think being able to go through that in my 20s when you're you know, looking looking down barrels of guns, you're being shot at, you've got pirates around you, really ended up putting some context into a corporate environment. Like, is it really important? I mean, certainly don't want to delay by, you know, weeks and months, but um, don't break people. Yeah. And how do you how do you communicate that, Amanda? You mentioned there in a corporate world, you're not going you're not going to die, you know, 24 hours being delayed. Like how like, that's all well and good. You've had those experiences, right? You've looked down barrels of guns. You've had pirates circle the ship and like they, yeah. amazing, amazing stories. And I'd love to you know go into more of that later. But. Like, how do you get that message across to a, a project team that are terrified, they're, they're working all-nighters, they're pulling their hair out, they haven't got that same perspective as yourself? Like, how do you communicate that? Well, you don't You don't stop communicating. They'll always know that on my programs. Like, I've got you. Know, the one thing we have is mateship and I got your back. You're not in my team unless I can trust you and you can trust me. So I did have a disappointing moment when I came in and did a recovery and in fact, anyone who knows me will know this. It was the last SAP program implementation we did. And the testing manager and I went out on a limb to cover the butts of our team. We were in fast recovery and there was a bit of dig in, guys. We got some long hours, but we're going to have long hours for 10 days. And then we're going straight back to eight hours. So we're going to have to really dig in. Now, we put ourselves out there and they didn't back us. They let us, that hung us out to dry. Um, the conversation I had with the team after that was pretty passionate. Um, you know, I've got your back, you got to have my back. Uh, so that com- that conversation will go right through the delivery. Now, I'm not, I, I mean, I can, I can configure other systems. I'm really cool at Workday, apparently. Um, but I'm not someone who's, don't let me too crazy. I can play with SAP um, from a configuration perspective, but none of the guys will let me go too silly on it. <laughs> I have to be highly supervised. Um, but you know, I need them to be really awesome at their job and they've got to know I'll be really awesome at mine. And then once you've got that teamwork, um, you know, then you've got the trust. Once you've got the trust, they know that we're not, you know, I'll be in there explaining why things may have to be 24 hours later. We're not getting shot at. You're you're in any customer system dependent on disaster recovery plans, dependent on I mean, you wouldn't want to be in a place where you know you turn 
the lights off on a state electricity grid. That would be costly. It's not going to be a situation like that. That's a constraint. You won't move. But outside of constraints that have a high impact, you know, there is some fudge factor to move things around and, and why not use it? Don't burn people. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear that you mentioned one of the keywords you mentioned there is trust, that you have to put the trust right. in the team and they've got to trust you back. Are there any other traits or traits that you look for in your teams? <laughs> uh, it's the, the primary one uh, would be, is your heart in it? What's your attitude? Um, I would take someone with a really enthusiastic attitude over yeah. someone with a uh, with the competency skill. You can teach competency. I can teach and train someone the skill there, especially on our, on a lot of our SAP implementations because they tend to be longer. So you have yeah. got a bit of bandwidth to upskill. Um, I would absolutely take attitude above anything else. And if they're teaming and they've got the right attitude, um, you've got their trust, uh, and, hey, you can have fun. We have shitloads of fun. Like, you know, there's, there's no use turning. You, you're with these people 8, 10, 12 more hours, God, um, a day, dependent on where you are in the program cycle. Uh, you've got to enjoy each other. You've got to get along. So, you know, you're like a big family at the end of it. It's really hard when you get to the end and you've delivered um, and you've got to let people, like, take off to the four corners of Australia or or wherever. Sometimes it's global. It's like, oh, we've been through a bit. We've had babies together. (laughs) Sometimes literally. It's an interesting (laughs) question for you. You mentioned those two traits. When you're, let's say this is in a contract role or permanent role, how how do you see these traits in people when you're interviewing them? Oh, I don't. I love. I love people I interview with. They're a cracker. No, and I mean the interviewer, right? Sometimes those people absolutely make me laugh my ass off because they'll turn up. They'll turn up with their little bit of paper and their tick and flick questions. Yeah, have you configured SAP? And you're like, well, the guy's not really going to turn up here in this interview unless he has. But let's tick it off anyway. That's good. Um, and and you just think, holy shit, you're about to spend. If you could you imagine dating someone like that? What a cracker. You go into the pub, right? You roll up next to them. They go, I love. Right. Do you want kids? Yeah, all right, yeah, that's great. Yeah, got your own home, independently wealthy, right? That's nice. That's not how you interview a person. Then you gotta spend the rest of your life with the bugger. You know, you find out later on that he's got you know bad snoring problem or something I don't know uh (laughs) stinky farts you know it's like your dog that's one you like it in the shop come home then you learn all the bad habits I mean you might as well have a conversation with them you you sit down and get to know them can can you actually you sixth sense or tell can you trust this person you know can you and you've always got some techie questions you throw in just so yes tick the HR box thanks there you are but um Get to know the person. Can I've always said, can you make me laugh? Yeah, if you can, if you if you get in there and you've got a right raw giggle on, uh, yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> we we're gonna last a long time together. And yeah, uh, admittedly, anyone that, who's on my any other programs I'm on generally sees the same faces turn up at a lot of times. Because <laughs> the minute you've got your old guys getting the band back together, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we know we work together. 
Uh, you're definitely a good example I'll use with uh, with clients about your uh, tick box. I like that. It's oh, ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I've been in I've been in interviews where you're there with someone else, and that's their style. And that's how it is. Um, the interviewer I co-interview with is generally not on the program implementation. Well, like if they do that, I'm not coming along this journey with you. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Amanda, I'd love to ask you. Like you're such an interesting person, you made me laugh today, which is which is brilliant. Talk job done, Pick. I can leave now. There we go. Yeah, you got the job hired. Um, <laughs> what's um what's your biggest failure? Oh, everything. Oh, I'm shit. Most things. Oh, you should have seen how bad of a parent I was. Oh my god. Uh, like, well, I've, yeah. Reason I'm here is because I love failing. Um. Because I give it a go, right? And we work it out on the fly. Uh, <laughs> my son, <laughs> bless him, he's very, he's 18 now, just finished high school, about to go into uni. This is a couple of years ago, and he came out and he'd drawn um, some artwork. Now, I hadn't seen him draw artwork. He must have been about 16, maybe 17, so not long back. Uh, and now I'd never seen him actually present artwork in years, you know, when they're about two three four for everything comes home from kinder it's like i mean i've still got a blasted look at this this is every parent has them it's got his photo on it came out from kinder god that must have been 2004 five um yeah I used to bring home all this stuff so anyway i sit down and i brace because this hasn't happened in decades um and i look and he goes you know check out my artwork i've done i've done it for school and my out of my mouth came you sure mate you shouldn't me that's yours <laughs> out the window when every possibility of like backing your your son you know every that that parental um oh good job no no that did not hit it was like hey, did you copy it he says no i did it myself i said you sure <laughs> <laughs> now i'm questioning is he lying to me then i'm questioning his actual capability and competency it was just so good it shocked the shit out of me and I was like, holy Christ, how did I happen to have a, a child that is that goddamn talented and I've never noticed? So it was more my own grief at myself which came out. So, yeah, I fail absolutely on a daily basis. Um, in a, and that was a right royally spectacular way. And could you imagine me doing that to a consultant I work with or a client? It's like, are you shit me? You did that configuration like that well? Yeah, you copy it off someone. It's good to get all this. It's I'm breaking every possible, you know. What, what, what does that give that person? So I really had to like give myself an uppercut and say, you know what? <laughs> Sometimes people are just exceptional, and that's okay. <laughs> and they shock you, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. Um, what a what a fabulous way to be shocked. But I really didn't respond in the best <laughs> in the best moment. I didn't have the best version of me on that day. <laughs> So talking about um, different different people, Amanda. Like you're you're a character. Like you're Dad, called. I'd love to watch. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant, absolute character. And but you're in consulting. Yeah. And I can see if people get along with you, they they go to new levels because you you've got so much knowledge. They can extract that knowledge from you. Um, you can make them a better person they, through laughing and. What happens, and it's, I suppose it's a dilemma because you're you're consulting, and then you've got your, yourself and your personality. What happens if you've got the end customer? Yeah. 
and they're just completely different person, very, very difficult stakeholder to manage. And you know that potentially, you know, you can it win some business pay. from them or not. Like, what, how, do you, how do you manage that, that situation there when you've got that kind of bureaucracy and red tape in front of you because you, you can stop goes. in and, and yeah, how do, how do you do that? It's, you know what, it's weird. That's what I'm good at. Um, and I say that because back, so when I left the military, I went into everyone will know SMS consulting. I'd never done consulting before, and I literally walked smack bang in this to old friend. He's like, oh, you'd be great. Come into consulting. It's the best thing you've ever done. And he went off for about, I was like, shit, you're going to, whoa, hey. Can't <laughs> that you think, I've got personality. <laughs> um, went into consulting, um, and it became apparent I was really good with um, tough, what they call tough clients. And I think it's because I inherited from my dad uh, and, and probably the New Zealand culture a zero judgment. Like I, I really don't have much in the way of, uh, you know, a, a judgmental sort of trait. So mm. that that helps. Um, and then, and I also don't get offended at all easily. So we did the first client they actually put me into. And you think I can drop a drop a, a few swear words along the way, like salt and pepper. But this guy, man, he would turn up and call us. There's two girls, right? Two girls in the PMO at the time who were leading um, their, his delivery, and he walked past us every morning. And he called us the FNCs. Won't fill it in. You can do it. Old enough. Um, and we'd turn around and talk to it, look at each other and coffee. So our revenge was actually to go out on his bill and go and get coffee, which uh, happened to be at the local cafe, Nescafe, Blend 43, with frothy milk. And I paid a good five bucks for that, but hey. So that ability, uh, so no judgment, a high tolerance for... <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, you can't offend me. I've been in the Navy. Nothing can offend me anymore. Um, means that I, I actually work quite well with their tough clients. And all it is, is is getting to know the person. No one wakes up in the morning, client, consultant, uh, contract, whoever you are. And, well, some people, I just thought of what I'm about to say. One or two. You don't wake up in the morning and go, I'm out to ruin this company. <laughs> The shittest job I've ever done. <laughs> and I'm going to love it. I mean, no one does that. Everyone gets out of bed in the morning and goes, oh, I want to feel fulfilled. I want to come home and know I've done a great job. I want to <laughs> imagine the measly bastard who rolls out of bed and goes, yeah, this is it. Uh, we're going to completely make sure the place goes down. No one does that. <laughs> so as long as you associate with the human being that just wants to be you know, feel that they've achieved, they've done, they've lived, they've, they've enjoyed themselves, they've had a great group of people around them, and we've we've done this magnificent thing. Once you've got that connection, you can understand what makes them tick. Easy. Walk and park. We're all human, right? Love it, love it. Man, I could talk to you all day. This is brilliant. <laughs> so good. Um, I'd love to know who's your biggest influence on your career. Obviously, you've been in the Navy before. Oh. You've worked on multiple programs. Um, yeah, who would you say has been the, the biggest influence? And then go into a bit about the why as well. guy called Graham Sloper who saw... God, I joined the Navy. I was 21 years old. Um, and if you want to talk about working from the ground up, my first job with him, I was his driver. My girlfriend was a steward. 
Um, and he saw in this little 21-year-old, because he was the sea, I should put it into context. I say Graham Sloper, he was a Commodore. He was the Commodore of uh, the air base down in Nowra at the time. Uh, well regarded, well credentialed, got more medals on him than you could poke a stick out, ca uh, you know, captain, massive ships. This guy had done it all. And what he saw was a little kindering light that he, he supported um, in me. So told me to go out and get my extra courses. He and a guy, actually another guy called Yava Khan, who ended up working, I think Yava went to the U, I want to say UN, and led the procurement there, but strong leaders. And, and Yava, God bless him, um, put me up to do my um, bachelor's, like equivalent, uh, and, and got the Defence Force to pay for it. Amazing. <laughs> um, so they just saw in this human being whatever it was that needed that little, you know, fanning that little flame to let me be who I ultimately became. And for, for that, it's fantastic and phenomenal leadership to see that. I mean, one thing, and everyone knows this, so I can say it, I mean, Graham Sloper, Commodore Sloper, amazing man. We had this thing called kangaroo court in the in the Navy and you'd got in trouble and you'd have to front up and they had a court session and everyone, you know, it was very serious. But if you could tell him, if you admitted up to what you did and you could tell him a really good story about why you did it, okay, you kind of get a lesser sentence. <laughs> and I learned a lot from that. I'm like, yeah. So everybody knew to front up, you know, we, we put a table in the middle of the parade ground once, <laughs> which you're not allowed to walk on the parade ground, right? I better put some context about this. And then we put, it was the middle of the night, and we, we put all the knives and forks out, made it look like everyone had had a huge party there just to piss off the warrant officer disciplinary because you weren't allowed to walk on the on the, on parade ground. It's like sacred ground. And all we got in the morning was, you have 15 minutes to remove that crap from my parade ground. <laughs> so everyone got in trouble. <laughs> but as long as you had a good reason and... Uh, about the story about why you did it. It was entertaining. It was lighthearted. We were bringing a team of people together. It was camaraderie. It was, you know, Graham Sloper let you go with a slap on the wrist. And you could see what it, in, in reflection, you can see what he was actually doing. He was building that teamwork. He was building that. We had each other's back. Um, yeah, we were a little bit naughty. As long as it was within bounds, didn't hurt anyone. We cleaned up after ourselves. You know, it's strong, strong. And I mean, you don't, see much of it in corporate Australia mm -hmm. um, as much in anymore, but it's that strong leadership. And when you find those people, I hang on to them with both hands. I love that. And when, I, I like what you said there about strong leadership. And one one point I'm learning from that is you, you front up and then yeah. you can tell a story to back it up. What else, how would, else would you define a, a strong leader? Like what, what are the traits you, you would look for? It's their integrity and their values that they live by them no matter what, even when times are tough. You never see them, you know, take any, um, take away from their team that hard work. Uh, you, you, they, they give that um, work, you know, that effort back to that person. It's, it's everything, loyalty, trust, honesty, but they, they live it. And, and usually 
they're flawed like everybody else is, but they're like put it out there and go, oh, yeah, completely fucked up last week. This is my learning. <laughs> this is what I did about it. I uh, probably won't do it again. You know, they're flawed individuals. Don't, don't, no one should put them on a pedestal, but they are values. They're values-driven, ethical people who will live their values and those ethics um, to the core generally and not compromise their people because of it. Amazing to hear. Going back to your project management style, obviously hearing about your leadership style, do you have a philosophy that you follow when you're, let's say you're picking up a new project, is there a philosophy you follow? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a consultant in, in, in generally large four. I generally get told what I have to go on. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had the privilege. I did for a while have a privilege. I went out contracting on my own and I had the privilege to turn work down. Um, and I, 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 my, I, t- I tend not to do that now. So I don't have a philosophy so so far as what I can go on. Um, I guess I have a, you can tell one of my, I just think we should have fun doing it. Yeah. If we're in there, you know, there's no, no need. You, you can work hard, play hard. That'd be my philosophy. Work hard, play hard, be good at it, you know. Is there a methodology um, you, you follow when, you, when you're on these projects? Uh, what for the delivery or for? Yeah, around your delivery, your, your style, I guess. From the oh, day. from the style. I, I went to Prince too, yeah. and what does SOP use? That they they've got their methods. So I'll chuck that out the window. Um, no, nothing in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, actually, I should not. I'll put that in context. I actually like SAP's method of delivery, to be honest. Um, but in the context of this conversation, putting them aside would be a better way to say it. Um, yeah. No, no real method. Look, we're I very artisan. I think we look at things these days where we think process will fix people. Process won't fix people. If we were that easy, we'd just be a pack of robots and you wouldn't need people. Sometimes I think that would be lovely. Uh, <laughs> but no, we're we're in a world we do need people and we do need that free thought and we do actually we need re- rebels and we need people who want to take initiative and we, we need that whole mixed bag of lollies that makes the delivery absolutely fucking awesome. Um, and not everyone gets along for that entire, gosh, we've had some good, I've had some right royal pearl arguments and they're the best things that ever happen because out of that comes clearer understanding. I don't know why yeah. people shy away from arguments, by the way. We're humans, right? You, you, you're there because you've, you've drawn yourselves too, too far away from the line of communication and a right roll blow up. It generally gets you back together. Um, yeah, no method. Art is in the whole way. I love that process doesn't fix, fix people. I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm learning a lot from today as well because I'm very, I'm a very kind of process orientated person. Um, and I've made loads of mistakes before where, well, this has worked for me in the past. It should work for another sure, 10. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've flattened my face with that approach before. So, but yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Process doesn't fit people. Um, I've really enjoyed today, Amanda. Um, I'd like to finish on and have a think about why I asked you the, the, uh, the second to last um, question, but have a think about who you'd like to hear um, on the on the podcast. But before we go into that. Dolly Parton. Um, Dolly Parton. <laughs> I just want one more rendition of working nine to five from that lady. She just nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> what a cracking tune that is. Um, but no, if you if you could cast cast back 
to that um, young girl in the Navy. What advice would you give that, that young 21-year-old self? Don't doubt yourself. You were goddamn right, lovely. Like, well, way too many times I, in the beginning, shut up to toe the company line. I don't shut up to toe the company line anymore because if something's wrong, it's wrong, and you're calling it out as a as a risk or a concern. Um, you know, no need to shut up just because everybody else is or you're going to look a little bit out of place or you we want the voices we want to know like you got to have people who are prepared to, to put your hand up and say something's actually wrong here or I think something's going to be wrong and let's work together and fix it like I would just so early on I was such a I mean when I joined and just to let you in a little secret I was in the air force first 18 months and then I joined the navy and my recruitment um, corporal at the time turned around and said, you don't fit here. You're going to hate it. Um, but we can't get rid of you. You're too goddamn clever. You're going to pass all the tests. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, he's spot on. You, I, I spent years being so, and God damn it, when I went into consulting, I joined EY. Oh, my God, isn't that a box that you got to square, you know, shove your little self into? Like, I was like, you should see me. I've got hair, I've got, I had my hair cut certain ways. I had to look, I had suits on. Oh, my God, I don't wear suits anymore. Um, you know, I, I tried to jam myself into this corporate box and this Navy box and realistically I should, should have run screaming going you all <laughs> you know I be be you be the you be the eclectic you you are be the human you are like don't don't try and squeeze just because you're more honest you're more open you're more you know the person we want is the authentic person because the authentic person is going to be free to speak and pull out all these bloody risks we don't want to go ramming into you know, you're going to bring a, a collective and a kaleidoscope of a view who wants to have a boring implementation whether it's sap you know who wants to have a boring life when when you've just got this monotone of people that are like robots you want a kaleidoscope of life and i want every single kaleidoscope of human in there because we all see it differently so if i'd gone back to little old me back in the day don't fit in that goddamn box sunshine no be you brilliant advice and then other than Dolly Parton, um, obviously you work with a lot of people in your career, um, some fantastic people, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. Who would you like to see on on this podcast? Oh gosh, you got yeah, put me on the spot. Um, I didn't think we're having lost for words today. Yeah, <laughs> that one's a tough no. one. Uh, you're going to have to think of some awesome – I'm trying to think of some of the best uh, – oh, gosh, there's – like, okay, I've got a list. Can I get a list here? <laughs> list, yeah, this would be good. We've got some fantastic – like, I'm not, I'd have to ask him, but there's a gorgeous um, lead architect uh, who would just give some phenomenal insights into – transitioning even when you transition career-wise he came from South Africa and he and I had a long talk about the difficulties we have when you're moving countries inside a, inside implementations um I won't tell you his name right now but I'll have to tell you later because I want to ask him first yeah sure that's fair that's very fair but Amanda that was absolutely sensational thank you very much 